so symptoms like hot flushes, uh, mood swings, night sweats, they usually last, you know, around three, four years after you stop your periods and uh, also during perimenopause. And most women will stop having these symptoms and will start having other symptoms such as vaginal dryness, urinary problems, needing to go more frequently, cystitis-like symptoms where they feel they need to go every few minutes. And when they go, there's not a lot of urine. The urine infections are not have, are not there. So they may have bowel upsets as well. There are about 34 different symptoms of menopause, you know, tingling in your arm, uh, under your skin, tingling in your ears, all kinds of symptoms. And then later on, you may have increased risks of heart disease, uh, osteoporosis, as well as um, dementia. So, you know, we discuss all these symptoms and details of it in the course because I want women to understand that it's not like you stop your periods and that's it, you're done with the menopause. No, because then you'll be doing yourself a disservice if you actually haven't spent time understanding why you're having these symptoms, what can you do, and when should you start? It's never too early to start uh, making uh, lifestyle um, uh, changes so that you can actually improve how your menopause, how you approach the menopause, and it's never too late. You could be 60 and you can still bring in those changes. Welcome to the Happy Fair podcast, where we explore all sorts of issues of health, well-being. We're Dave and Steve, identical twins. We've eaten plant-based for 20 years and started a vegetable shop to change the world and start a health food revolution over 18 years ago. And it really has gone in so many different ways. On this show, we really try to give you value. We talk with guests to try to inspire you and catalyze positive change in each of our lives so that our lives can be that little bit better. Woo! Very I'm Steve. Nice. I'm Dave. I'm Sean. How are you? That was a great intro. Oh, thanks, Mel. Kind of sums it all up, doesn't it? Yeah, it wasn't bad. Very good. On the topic of health, there's a, there's a lot of like health things that we do that like you don't know if they're going to work until you they do, it. you know? Mm. You'd be like, oh, if you eat sunflower seeds every day for you, when you're 80, you'll be, be able to do a backflip. <laughs> you're like, oh, I can't wait till I'm 80. So <laughs> do do that <laughs> like, like, like nearly like, what's the one thing that you're hoping is true? That I can do a handstand when I'm 70. That I can still do a handstand when I'm 70, when I'm 80, when but, I'm 90. But like, what, what's the like... What's going to get you there? Yeah, yeah. What, what's the thing that you do for you that you hope is like, oh, geez, I, I really fucking hope jumping in the sea every morning is actually good for you. <laughs> I'd say it's the whole combination. Like, it's a bit like Neetu said there, the orchestra, you are the conductor of your own orchestra. And I think it is to see over time, do these lifestyle factors actually, you know, will they have a massive impact? Because mm. I certainly believe that yoga has my body in a much better position than it was when I was 20. Like, I feel yeah, like yeah. I'm more flexible. I'm more in my body. And I think yoga and swimming and all these type of things. And I also think it's, you can feed it, you can feel it immediately. Like swimming in the sea, you go down tired and then you get down to sea, you're like, oh, I don't want to get in. And you come out going, <gasps> it's a beautiful day. I wonder what today is going to bring. Can't wait. Yeah. You know, so it's like you feel it immediately. And similarly, you eat well. You feel like, I think I feel like exercising. You know, I, I, I like uh, the kids came back there the other day with a bag of chips and I was delighted. It's like chips. Oh my God, I can't wait. And, you know, typical competitive me went and ate half the bag. And then afterwards I felt greasy, felt like, oh. Why did I eat Grease that? pig. So I think, I think he, and, and I loved it. I'm not saying, but chips are bad in any way. I love the chips. It was great joy. But subsequently, I did actually feel greasy and I did feel heavy and didn't feel inspired to move afterwards. So it's like, I think many of these lifestyle factors, you feel it immediately. Yeah. 
Um, and maybe it is the, the like the combination of things because there is so many factors. But one thing which I do am very interested in is actually the community aspect because I think having being able to walk down the road and know lots of people and have chats and have these little random conversations, I think that is, no matter what age you are, that feels like it lifts my spirit. I can be walking along with problems and just have a chat with someone and realise, geez, you know, we're all in this game together. It, it, the, the interconnection of life, I think that's that's a really wonderful thing. So, so I don't know. Do you have any thoughts, Johnny? No. I think What's going to help you do a backflip when you're 90? <laughs> Jeez, I don't know. Is Hanging it going to be the Pilates? Is it going to be the yoga? Is at it gonna at be the, the moment, it's Pilates. Jeez, it's great. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, you and Ray. Yeah. The Pilates, lad. <laughs> Pilates is amazing because it's all about your core. I guess it's oh, everything, yeah, it's but there's so much... Tucking your pelvis and tensing your whatever that's called. I think it is the the kind of um, the whole cacophony or the symphony effect of having... David Finn, you're such a poet. Thank you, Stephen. The symphonic effect of having multiple different ways. Like, the, like things compound over decades. Like if you've mm. got healthy choices over 10 years, 20 years and 30 years, they're only going to compound. If you've got negative choices, the same way, the best way to save money is time. Time is the best way to use time to your advantage. And it's the same way in terms of health that we can invest in simple little changes. They can be little changes like starting to go for a walk more, starting to exercise more, starting to do yoga, starting to make healthier food choices. And it could be as simple starting as... Starting to build more community around It could be it. as simple as a healthy breakfast. Starting with a healthy breakfast and getting in the habit of that. And over 10 years, that's going to pay off massively. Starting to eat more. Instead of eating like a junk food dinner, make learn one or two new recipes and start to incorporate them. And over decades, they will compound and you will just be an even better version of yourself, I reckon, over time. Go, Dave. Thanks, Steve. Very good. Stretch and flexibility is probably... Uh, I think that's a wonderful one because like uh, this is something that I'll often kind of think about is like the time that on the human lifestyle, the human life cycle that we're the most open and most receptive to learning quickest is typically as children and they are incredibly supple. I know my children, when they were young and they kind of fall on the ground, they nearly bounce. They were just so supple. Whereas as we get older, we become stiff, we become rigid. Our mind, our thought pattern becomes a lot more rigid. And I think there's a huge correlation between how flexible we are and how open our minds are and our ability to learn and be more permeable. Good one. Do you have any clinical data on that? No. No, okay, uh, great. One, I like one, the one, idea of effect. No, I like that. It does make a lot of sense. To take your quote, one PS. who is your most who is your favorite elder that kind of inspires you to that like my granny? No, but health wise and like vitality wise, who 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 when you see when you think of a ninety year old doing a backflip, who's like? I think Linda and Daddy are amazing. They swim with mm -hmm. us most days. They're in their seventies and they just live life with a joyful tenacity that is infectious. They're like a pair of six year olds that just got their summer holidays. Like their days are packed with we were up at five and we we're doing our five Tibetan rites and then we meditated we did breath work and we're down here swimming and we're going for walks and they're and they're meeting someone and they're just they're they're overflowing with joy like a in the most beautiful innocent way and it's just contagious their yeah. zest for oh, life I and, I, and I hope when I'm older I have that same appetite for life that I I it, my my joie de vivre overflows onto other people and they like feel they're, excited and infected. They're amazing. And Lynn and Daddy inspire us all. Yeah. So mm -hmm. there we go. If they're listening, thank you. We love you dearly. 
And really, really on the topic of uh, aging gracefully. So today's podcast is with the wonderful Dr. Neetu Bujekal. She's a senior consultant gynecologist with over 35 years experience. She is an expert in all things women health. And she's such a powerful, inspiring, energetic, enthusiastic woman. She really is. She's a great role model for me and Steve. She's 61 years of age and just her joie de vivre is overflowing. We actually created a course with her. It's called the Happy Menopause Course. And it really came on the back of having a conversation with her a number of years ago and realizing just how underserved this is. And there's so many people in society that need to collectively gather around this time in a woman's life and how can we collectively support women through this period. We created this course. It's four weeks. We're doing it for 50% off and just 75 euro. It really is a game changer. If you're interested, just go to the Happy Pairs that I you'll go to the courses tab and you'll find it there. Uh, Dr. Nietzsche does all the medical advice. There's Dr. Rajiv, who's an orthopedic surgeon. We have a sleep doctor, we have a dietitian, we have a nutritionist on it and me and Dave do the recipes and the meal plan. So it really is comprehensive and really addresses so many aspects of anyone going through menopause. So today's podcast is with Dr. Nitu, and here she is. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. It's always such a pleasure to see both of you and to be part of the Happy Pair team and family. Well, yeah, likewise, we love, we genuinely love spending time. And myself and my daughter are going to come visit you during the summer. Absolutely. There are rooms waiting. Great, great. Well, today we'd love to focus on women's health and you being a gynecologist with 35 years experience. You are extremely well qualified to talk about your experiences and what you've learned in women's health, really. So, and I think a really good, like, general one is painful periods. It's such a common thing, and it's something that unfortunately affects so many different women. And I wonder, one, what are the causes, and two, what can people do, or what can women do to address the the painful symptoms? Absolutely. Um, when I went into uh, obstetrics and gynecology thirty five years ago, I knew very quickly, um, even well before actually, that this was the speciality for me. And the reason I loved it so much was because it had a combination of surgery, medicine, as well as psychology. And that's really something that I found so unique in in this particular area. But what I have understood over the years is that there was there's something missing in our toolbox. And one of and that is lifestyle, you know, lifestyle advice that healthcare professionals were never taught. I certainly wasn't taught. Most of my colleagues have never been taught. And it's something that is so, so important, whether you need medication or surgery, whether it's for painful periods, whether it's for menopause. You know, we've just done a course, um, you know, along with you, the Happy Menopause course, which I would advise everybody to sort of at least have a look, because I think you're going to learn so much. Today is just a little... Uh, taster, if I should say. Um, but lifestyle is something that we were never taught. And actually, there is no aspect of health and no aspect of women's health that does not benefit from bringing in lifestyle changes. They don't have to be massive changes. They can be little steps, but they can make such a difference to the overall understanding as well as acceptance of certain situations because you can't prevent everything with lifestyle because we are handed some genetics that can make a difference. Yes. And Steve. by lifestyle, you mean, so like what we eat, our sleep, our movement, how we deal with stress. This is what you're kind of referring to when you say Correct. lifestyle. The six pillars of lifestyle. The six pillars of lifestyle as defined by the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. And it's common sense. It's really how we eat. Um, it's a domino effect, you know. So the way we eat, eat has an effect on how we sleep. Uh, when 
depending on how we sleep, it's, you know, if we are stressed, that makes our stress worse. And then based on the stress, we tend to reach for the foods that don't really nourish us and reach for the drinks that don't nourish us. And we also then tend to stay away from friends and family and community. So the six lifestyle pillars are nutrition, exercise, sleep, stress, risky substance use, community. And so it's really important that we address each of these, but you can choose which lifestyle you want to focus on and automatically then your uh, attention starts thinking, you know, when you've eaten a, a beautiful big salad, the last thing you, you feel like going out for a walk. When you come back from a walk, you feel less stressed and you feel calmer. So it's actually understanding that they're all intertwined and one doesn't really work very well without the other. And you can't just exercise and run a marathon. You can't outrun a bad, a poor diet. Similarly, if you just have a fantastic way of eating, but you don't sleep, that's not going to help you as well. So it is really understanding that and also understanding that women or those who are assigned female at birth are not small men. We are different. And so understanding the, the physiology and the anatomy, all these things are really important because a lot of us and, uh, you know, not just women, but also men often will not be able to identify different parts of the reproductive system. And that's a real shame because if you don't know how your body works, that what are hormones and what's where your uterus is and where the cervix is and things like that, when things go wrong, you can't actually uh, be able to advocate for yourself. You can't, when you go to see a doctor like myself, you may not be able to give enough information in that five, 10 minutes time. And so you may just get dismissed and your problem never gets addressed. Very wow. good. Wow. And then on the topic of painful periods, what do what, what often are the kind of causes? Some of it obviously is biological, but some of it, I'm guessing, are lifestyle factors. Some of the six that you mentioned there. Um, so, uh, so painful pe so periods are common. Half the world's population will have them in the reproductive age group. But period pain is not normal. So we must talk about periods, but periods should never be painful. We're not talking about mild menstrual cramps that some um, women may get. A lot of women may just find that they have a, a little bit of pain on the first day and they might, you know, have a hot water bottle or take a, a, a anti-inflammatory medication and things are fine and they don't stop, doesn't stop them from their daily activities. That's fine. Because what happens is every month when the, the hormones are chemical messengers. And so there are messages sent from the brain down to our ovaries, uh, stimulating one egg every month to sort of race to the, to the front of the line while the others sort of die off. You're already born with a number of eggs. And every time this egg gets released, then a couple of weeks later, if no pregnancy has occurred, so that's roughly about a month, you then end up having a period, which is a shedding of the lining of the uterus. So a normal period is between 24 and 35 days. So if somebody is getting their periods 40 days, uh, 50 days, or every two weeks, that's not normal. Just similarly, if you're finding that your pain is being effect is affecting your quality of life, if it is affecting your school or your work um, of, um, of issues, then certainly that is to be addressed. And often people say that period pains are normal, they get normalized. They're not. And the reason people have painful periods, 
what happens is the lining sheds a chemical called prostaglandins. Prostaglandins can also cause women to feel nauseous. They may have nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, constipation, and all these features can be seen during a period. But when these symptoms are enough to stop you from going to school or going to work, or even if you're at work or at school, you're not actually giving your full in, um, attention, then that is something that has to be addressed. And there are certain conditions that actually uh, increase the chance of having these painful periods. Those are conditions like endometriosis, where lining of the womb, very similar to that, sticks itself outside on your ovaries, on your bowel, it, sometimes in your lungs. We don't know exactly why. There's a, a genetic predisposition as well, but that can cause excruciatingly painful periods. And actually, there may be nothing to see on a pelvic ultrasound scan because it, uh, you know, maybe just little dots of this uh, tissue that grows every month, bleeds every month, and can cause excruciating pain. I had a patient who once said, "I feel this is a fate as bad as cancer," because. You know, she looked completely normal from outside and nobody would understand why she was in, having chronic pelvic pain, chronic fatigue, why she was in so much of pain during her periods. They thought she was making it up. And so this is what happens in society that, you know, painful periods are normalized, but actually periods should not be painful. Mild menstrual cramps, no problem if it's not bothering you, but otherwise endometriosis, fibroids, which are benign growths, smooth muscle growths called myomas, fibroids can cause painful periods as well, then you can have a history of having had infections. So, you know, you may have heard of chlamydia, gonorrhea, uh, in, uh, sexually transmitted infections. These can leave you behind with chronic pelvic pain and scar tissue and, uh, you know, a lot of pelvic congestion. And so you can have very painful periods. All these conditions can also affect fertility. So it, uh, they can all also affect uh, heavy periods. They can make your periods very heavy, passing clots, soaking through. These things are not normal. Doesn't matter if your mother had it, your grandmother had it. These are not normal. These need attention with the help of a doctor. And if your doctor dismisses you, you need to find another doctor. So, so it's almost like it's... But there a, are other causes as well. It really is information. It's your body giving you an information of going, these painful periods right. is not normal you should probably consult someone that can help you, you know, Correct. fix this. But also there are lifestyle things that you can do. So that is important to know. There are fantastic medications that you can use. And those could be just during your period or they could be hormonal uh, medications such as the, the contraceptive pill, uh, the Mirena coil. All these things can help with uh, calming your periods down. But there is lifestyle as well. So it's not as if only medications have to be used. Lifestyle has to go side by side. But it, there is no shame if you need to take medications, whether it's surgery, whether it's medical uh, uh, tablets. It is important to know that there is no medication shaming. But lifestyle should not be left on the wayside like most of us tend to because we are not educated about it. So the things that you would want to do, uh, studies have shown that Women who exercise regularly and doing about 45 minutes of exercise at least three times a week has been shown to reduce painful periods. The similarly, uh, when you eat uh, a, a diet that is rich in plants, and the same thing, again, when we talk about our in our happy menopause course, we explain why eating plants, whole plants, not something that is made in a plant, but actually, you know, eating whole plants. So we're talking about fruits, vegetables, greens, legumes, beans, soya, uh, whole grains, you know, things like that. Millet, quinoa, brown rice, herbs, spices, nuts, seeds, mushrooms. 
drinking water, these things can actually help to lower the inflammation in your body. And we know that conditions like endometriosis and fibroids, for example, and polycystic ovary syndrome, all these are inflammatory conditions. So when you eat foods that lower your inflammation, what happens is that these conditions tend to have uh, an improvement. People tend to find an improvement in their symptoms. Not always, but actually many of them will find that they need less medication and they can often uh, have you know, a better quality of life. So plant foods are really important. Exercise is important for painful periods. Then using things like acupressure, yoga, uh, meditation, mindfulness, Avoiding alcohol and smoking, all these things can actually increase inflammation in our body. Using a hot water, you know, a microwavable, um, you know, bag or a hot water bottle, all these things can help to open up the blood vessels and wash all the toxins away, these prostaglandins away, so that you can actually find that that is a relief. And uh, combining all this along with uh, something like a herb. So having turmeric in your diet can reduce inflammation. But ginger, there's been very good, uh, small studies, but very good studies showing uh, that in young women especially, you know that ginger can help with nausea of pregnancy, nausea in chemotherapy, but also it can help quite significantly with period pain because it behaves like uh, drugs like ibuprofen. So it has the same sort of action. So having even a third of a teaspoon three times a day during your periods can actually reduce the period pain quite dramatically if you are diligent about it, taking it in a bit of water. Also adding ginger to your diet, you know, putting it in food, ginger tea, ginger cookies, uh, which are, you know, things that you can actually try so that you can start getting used to the taste and actually can make a big difference. So bringing in herbs and spices, healthy fats into your diet, plant foods can all make a difference. Staying away from alcohol and from uh, smoking and other risky uh, substances can make a, a difference. And when you're stressed, we know that all our nerve endings are on uh, attention. So actually finding ways to calm yourself down, either with helping uh, help of gentle yoga or uh, mindfulness or walking in nature, you know, the Japanese way of Shinrin Yoku, which is basically forest bathing. These are simple things and are free, of course. You don't have to go to a gym and pound, uh, you know, the treadmill there. You can actually do these things for free. Find a little local park and walk around and just sit and breathe in and listen to uh, nature. Uh, hope it, hopefully the pollution is not too bad wherever people are listening in. Very good. That's really, really useful. There, there's one thing that jumps out when you're saying there, and I'm sure people listening go, oh, you mentioned alcohol a few times. Like, you know, um, obviously, you know, you've got a huge amount of experience in women's health and lots of people, you know, alcohol, certainly women, you know, like uh, we've got, I've got two kids and Steve has three kids. And you'll often hear these kind of jokes like, oh, it's mommy's medicine. You know, it helps me relax. And you hear these kind of statements at the stand when I'm waiting for the kids at the schoolyard to collect them. And these are common kind of terms. And I just wondered, like alcohol is so often used to relax. People use it in the evening to relax or they use it to deal with stress and in so many different ways. And I just wondered, what is the impact of alcohol on women's health from your experience as a gynecologist? So alcohol is a class one carcinogen, which means it's known to cause cancer and it is implicated in at least seven or at least seven cancers. Uh, smoking, cigarette smoking uh, or nicotine is implicated in about 14 cancers. But alcohol on its own does not help to relax you. The science is very clear. What it does is initially it may cause a, a bit of stimulation and then it actually causes a slump. So we know that 
stress and sleep are particularly disturbed when you start drinking alcohol. So this idea that I need uh, caffeine to wake me up and alcohol to relax me are actually not necessarily um, the right way of thinking about stimulants. So you have to understand that alcohol in its on its own in women's health does not really have a place. In fact, it doesn't have a place. Anybody who tells you that alcohol is a healthy uh, way of living is is actually wrong. You need to drink several bottles of red wine to get the resveratrol uh, benefit. Uh, and by that time, you'll be lying in a ditch. So what is important for your heart health, which people often say. So it's fine if you want to have a drink because you, it's a celebratory drink, you are with friends. We think that some of the blue zones, which where they live very long and couple of those areas do drink some alcohol, they tend to drink it in company and laughter and all those things that then tend to negate the effect of alcohol. But we know that alcohol itself with all the uh, ingredients that it has, the acetaldehyde that it contains can increase the risk of cancers. It can also increase the risk of having hot flashes. Uh, so menopausal hot flashes are actually much worse. They're also what are known as calorie dense or or sort um they don't bring uh, they're not the nutrient poor they don't have anything in their um in the drink itself that's going to bring health to you so uh, whether it's heavy periods whether it's painful periods whether it's endometriosis there are studies to show not very strong links but they basically because they increase inflammation it is common sense then in that situation that you want to keep those to a minimum and if you can actually completely stop it or minimize it as much, even the NHS guidelines of drinking 14 units of per week for a woman is actually quite a lot. And even drinking a two or three units of alcohol. And, you know, nowadays a single glass may contain three units because the glasses have increased so much in size, can increase the breast cancer risk by several fold. So it's just understanding that if you're drinking alcohol, it needs to be a very mindful way of drinking a glass of wine and thinking why you're doing it rather than this, you know, mummy's medicine or I need to relax because actually you will find that the next few days can often be not very pleasant once you've had a few drinks. And even a single drink every single day can all add up very quickly and actually make you feel depressed, anxious, have uh, problems with sleep. And as I said, each lifestyle pillar, as soon as you start knocking into it, the next lifestyle, then you don't, you will reach for the pizza rather than eating a nice bowl of salad once you've had a glass of wine. So you can see how there's a knock on effect. Yeah, it's, it's so true. And okay, well, I'd, I'd love to move the conversation now on because back, it was only a few years ago, really, from meeting you and having conversations with other people, other women, that we realized menopause, like as two men who are 43, menopause wasn't really, you know, we remember mom going through, but it wasn't a big thing and in our we life. Were, we were four boys, so we were the most unsupportive of mom going through menopause. And, it and like, it's only oh, been over the last mom. two years that we've really, really dug into it. And we really kind of, over the last two years, you know, we've learned quite a lot about it, like we genuinely have. And it catalyzed us to create a course with you on menopause to put it put in the factors, really because we realized that it really is an underserved area. And there's so many... It is. There's so many myths. There's so much misinformation there's so much confusion and there can be so much empowerment like there really can there's so much basic things that people like can do that women can do half the population will go through it at some point during yeah, their life yeah absolutely if you live long enough half the world's population will go through menopause and that's what we address in the course with you know you guys what 
I want people to understand is that understanding that there is a lot of misinformation, there's a lot of fear mongering, and also there's a lot of under information. So it's not just misinformation. As I said, women often don't know how their body is working, what's happening to their hormones. And also there's a lot of fear mongering amongst the um, uh, social media communities. And so what happens is people who need to have good advice about lifestyle approaches, are scared of eating beans because they've been told that beans are bad for them. But we know that beans and, and peas and uh, legumes and lentils, these uh, soya, these are really, really key to actually having optimal health, but especially in the menopausal age. Now, I'd like to define menopause and perimenopause unless you think... No, please, yes, please, please. Yeah. I think this is great. Yeah, so... Menopause is the last or the final menstrual period. Okay, so remember that menarche or puberty, menarche is the first period, M-E-N-A-R-C-H-E. It's the first period. Menopause is the last period, the final period. And it's a retrospective diagnosis. That means you have to go 12 months without a period before you're labeled postmenopausal, because you may stop. What happens is at the time leading up to the period um, of menopause, which is known as perimenopause. So it's the time that surrounds menopause as you're approaching menopause. That tends to be anywhere between two to eight years, an average of four years. So the average per woman all over the world tends to stop her periods around the age of 51 with a, a range between 45 and 55 years, she can expect to stop her periods, okay? There will be some outliers uh, beyond the age of 55, but that most people will stop their periods between 45 and 55. And when they stop their period, they don't know that they're definitely menopausal yet because they have to wait a whole year to be then told you are now menopausal or now you're in the post-menopausal phase. You never finish with menopause. You're always going to be, and the current life expectancy in uh, the Western world is around 83 years. In Hong Kong and other places, is 88 years. In the US, it's a bit lower. But whatever it is, that's 30 years that you're going to spend in this very important phase of life when you often have less financial worries and, you know, your children have, if you have children, your children have grown up and gone away, you have time for yourself. So actually, if you then just think, oh, I'm getting old and I'm looking, I'm going to die soon. That's the wrong way of looking at it because dementia is the biggest killer of women now in the Western world, especially in the UK. It's the top uh, killer in, in, in the UK. So menopause is your final menstrual period. The average age is 51 when you stop your periods and the range is between 45 and 55. And the time that is leading up to the menopause is known as perimenopause and is usually around the age of 47 because it's about four years before you stop your periods. And what happens in perimenopause is that you may notice that your periods are getting a little bit more closer together or they're getting a bit further apart. So you may have a period in January, nothing in Feb, nothing in March. Then you may have periods in May, June, July, then nothing again. And so it stops and starts and you keep thinking, oh, have I gone through the menopause. No, got to wait 12 months to call yourself menopausal or postmenopausal. But during this perimenopause time, you may have hot flushes, lowered uh, uh, mood changes, lower libido, less desire for sex. You may have night sweats. Your periods may get a bit heavier. Your periods may get a bit lighter. 
all these symptoms can occur and they can last anywhere between two to eight years, average of four years. So a 51-year-old woman could expect to start going through the change, as they say, around the age of 47. And then you have a group of women, um, myself included, uh, that are one in uh, 10,000 women will stop their periods. Oh, sorry, one in 100 women will stop their periods under the age of 40. And that is known as premature. It used to be known as premature menopause, but it's actually pre premature ovarian insufficiency. The number of eggs in your ovaries have uh, dropped to a critical level, and that's when menopause occurs. But when it occurs under the age of 40, it needs specialist input. Gynecologists, somebody with a special interest like myself to look after those women, they need tests and things like that. They need hormone replacement unless there's a real contraindication. So that is really important. Under the age of 40, some women may not even have started their uh, fertility journey. So you can imagine. Yes. Oh, yeah. Quick question. Uh, when, when a woman starts with perimenopause, is that typically when the symptoms occur? And once one, a lady has gone through 12 months with no period, is that suddenly the symptoms stop? Or is it something that can go on? No. In, it's very case specific. Yes, it can go on. About 10% of or 12% of women will still have hot flushes about 10, 15, 20 years down the line. 20 so years. it's important to understand that there are different symptoms at different times. So for example, vaginal dryness that can cause painful sex is not really seen in the first six years of stopping your periods. It's generally seen more common in the second half, uh, six years after you stopped your periods and can get worse over time. Similarly, you know, your sleep can be really disturbed in the perimenopause and in the menopause time. And then over time, it can get better as you adjust things in, in more, you know, when your hormone levels are not fluctuating as much and they're stabilized at to a high level, but they're not fluctuating that much and your estrogen levels are dropping. So symptoms can last and then some, so symptoms like hot flushes, uh, mood swings, night sweats, they usually last you know, around three, four years after you stop your periods and uh, also during perimenopause. And most women will stop having these symptoms and will start having other symptoms such as vaginal dryness, urinary problems, needing to go more frequently, cystitis-like symptoms where they feel they need to go every few minutes. And when they go, there's not a lot of urine. The urine infections are not, have, are not there. So they may have bowel upsets as well. There are about 34 different symptoms of menopause, you know, tingling in your arm, uh, under your skin, tingling in your ears, all kinds of symptoms. And then later on, you may have increased risks of heart disease, uh, osteoporosis, as well as um, dementia. So, you know, we discuss all these symptoms and details of it in the course because I want women to understand that it's not like you stop your periods and that's it, you're done with the menopause. No, because then you'll be doing yourself a disservice if you actually haven't spent time understanding why you're having these symptoms, what can you do, and when should you start? It's never too early to start uh, making uh, lifestyle um, uh, changes so that you can actually improve how your menopause, how you approach the menopause. And it's never too late. You could be 60 and you can still bring in those changes. Brilliant. This is amazing. And, it's, and, and really, when I hear you say all the symptoms and the side effects, I'm going, oh my goodness, like those expressions, it's a man's world. Like that's like, when I, when I hear it, I go, oh my God, that sounds so challenging that it goes on for years and there's all these side effects. And now we, we need to move the conversation into what women can do. How can women feel empowered? Because, you know, there is all these negative side effects, but obviously, 
actually you found in 35 years experience as a gynecologist that there's loads of lifestyle things, simple practical things that women can do to help mitigate and minimise or even get rid of these symptoms and side effects altogether. So could you maybe talk about what's effective, what might work, what might not work and what could, if someone did these, what if a woman did these, might she be able to not have these symptoms at all? Yes. So um, it's it's important to understand that educating yourself first of all is really important. Okay, and that is not to do, it's not your responsibility. It really should be the responsibility of the government, of the schools, of the public health bodies that we educate people to understand from a very young age, not just about periods, but also about menopause, because then you're prepared for it. So once you understand it, there's no fear mongering about, uh, you know, what are the symptoms? Because it sounds really scary, doesn't it? But it doesn't need to be. There's a reason why menopause is are the golden years. They are very freeing. You can be very confident. You can actually embrace it and you can actually live a very, very, very full life. So it's important to understand that there are large parts of the world where a lot of women don't suffer menopausal hot flushes, for example, which is the commonest symptom of of menopause. And we think it's to do with a number of uh, things. So uh, looking at your own body weight, you know, trying to aim for a healthy body weight really makes a difference because we know that those who carry excess weight can actually suffer much more from um, the symptoms of hot flushes and night sweats and things like that. So once you understand Losing weight is not easy. We know that weight gain can creep up, especially after the age of 30 or 40. And the menopause, women may notice that they're gaining weight much more than they ever wanted to. So, but how do you aim to have a healthy body weight? One of the good ways is trying to eat a predominantly plant-based diet. A whole food plant-based diet helps because it is nutrient-dense but calorie-light. So you can eat good quantities of food like potatoes and uh, salads and soups and brown rice with chickpeas and all the wonderful dishes that we discuss in the Happy uh, Menopause course. Uh, What people have to understand is that when you eat calorie light but nutrient-dense foods, body weight tends to stabilize towards a more healthier uh, range rather than, uh, you know, with, with the standard Western diet. So that's really important to understand that eating the right sort of foods is going to make a big difference. Similarly, moving your body is really important, you know, and strength training is so, so important because we know that fragility fractures and balance issues can become a real problem as you go along. So understanding the different types of exercises that you can do including things like your own using your body weight, Pilates, weights and things like that can really make a difference. But really focusing on even 15 minutes, if you can't even do an hour a day or 30 minutes a day, which is the recommended, doing even 5-10 minutes or little bursts of exercise, you know, getting up every uh, half an hour and walking around, doing some stretches, these things really make a difference for menopausal symptoms as well. So again, Talking about all the lifestyle pillars, finding what stresses you out, what are your triggers? And so finding ways, to, because all of us are going to have stress, right? But menopause can make stress much worse. So what you want to do is identify those stress triggers and find ways to mitigate it. Because you can't get rid of all the stresses, but what you can do is find ways of actually helping yourself. Like I said, going for a walk with a friend, laughing at uh, um, you know loudly, 
watching a comedy show, you know, being happy like you guys. These things actually, community work, these things can really make a difference. So I hope I've tried to say, explain to you why it's so important to really start as early as possible. But it doesn't matter, even if you are not able to start those lifestyle changes early, as soon as you hear about them, you can start bringing in these small changes. And for some women, they will need medications. But not everybody can take hormone therapy. Hormone replacement therapy is safe. We know that there was a lot of misinformation from previous studies, but we know that for the vast majority of women, hormone replacement as we know it, body identical hormones, not something that is custom compounded in a small uh, pharmacy. No, the ones that are standardized and are recommended by experts, body identical hormones. So a gel or a patch or a, or a progesterone tablet, these are things that are important. They're safe. They're one of the best ways of managing hot flushes. But if you are able to bring in, you know, the legumes and the soya and uh, tofu and tempeh, and being a healthy body weight, you may be somebody who is actually in the 10 to 30% that you don't have any hot flushes at all. And even if you do have hot flushes, even if you do take hormone replacement, you may then choose to take it for the shortest possible time and then continue. Because even if you take HRT, lifestyle has to go alongside all the way right into your 90s and 100s, which I hope all the listeners will be aiming for. Yeah, I, I think that's such a good point there about lifestyle, saying that like lifestyle is just whatever, whether you take out your tea, tea or not, like it's something and whatever age any woman listening or any human listening, like it really is. There's so much empowerment in the choices we make in terms of food, in terms of movement. And I think Steve's got a question, which no, just on the topic of HRT, it's something that's so loaded. And as you said, there's a huge amount of misinformation from previous studies. And a, a, a lot of those are kind of, irrelevant because they were based on a totally different um, composition of HRT whereas you talk about the, the right. body identical body identical one is the most important one if people are going to try going to try it or if they're open to it and they're, they, they're considering yes. it and, and but you have to remember a lot one in so a lot of women don't want to take hormone replacement either because of a family history, they have a personal history of cancer, whatever it may be, they may be uh, having clots, they may just choose not to. It doesn't matter if they can't take hormone replacement therapy. There are other medications that can be used, but also lifestyle can be really, time can be spent to explain to people what they can do. And if they do choose to have hormone replacement, you should not be scared of it. You know, as soon as you start taking it, somebody tells you, oh my God, don't take it because it can cause breast cancer. Those are false information. So it's really important to individualize it. It's not a panacea. It's not going to take away all your symptoms. It's not going to suddenly make uh, you, you know, have a romantic relationship with your partner if you've not liked him for many years. <laughs> so it's really important to understand that while it is really helpful for a lot of people, there are things that one has to do if you want to live a full, healthy, optimal life. We don't know yet whether hormone replacement can help with dementia. We know that starting HRT after the age of 60 probably doesn't protect us from our heart uh, as well. So, you know, uh, every decision for hormone replacement should be with a person who actually understands what uh, a medical professional who actually understands what HRT is and is able to individualize it. And that is what we discuss in the in the uh, Happy Menopause course is that what I want people to do is 
take away the fear of it, but also at the same time, understand that there are certain questions you should be asking your doctor, but also there are certain questions that you should be asking of yourself as to what you want to do to empower yourself so that you are not always reliant on medications, which sometimes you may not choose to do, or you may react uh, badly to, or you may just find that you're not able to take it. So those are really important questions to be answered, whether you want to take medication or not. Again and again, the same thing I have to tell you, whether you're a man listening to this, whether you have children, whether you're a woman listening to the however, whichever gender you choose to identify, you do have to remember there's a lot of things that we can do to help ourselves, to help our own health. And by doing that, you will actually live a much happier and a better life. But medications and surgery is needed for some people and and you know that's absolutely fine that's a, it's a very empowering message like it really is just to remind people the importance of there is a lot of things that each one of us can do individually and just one yeah. thing on the topic of HRT, I remember hearing you talk once about how someone, in in most cases, someone drinking alcohol increases their risk of breast cancer more than taking HRT. Is that yes. correct? Yes. So actually carrying excess body weight or uh, drinking alcohol, uh, even two or three units, will sign- even two units of alcohol, uh, if I remember right, is actually, uh, you know, um, you, you're worse off than uh, taking hormone replacement therapy or the combined oral contraceptive pill for a long time. So, you know, it is understanding what your risks are. One in seven of us have a lifetime risk of breast cancer. Uh, and so it is important to understand that there are a lot of things we can do to reduce our risks, but at the same time, not blame medications that can actually hugely improve the quality of a lot of women's lives and, you know, is right for them. But again, there should be no medication shaming. But similarly, if you choose not to take uh, hormone therapy, there is no shame in that too. Because I know right now there's a lot of push for everybody to take HRT and it, it may not sit right with you. So, but don't be afraid of anything, any aspect of it. Like I said, even in lifestyle, there are so many people who will advise you to eat things like red meat and, and, and animal-based products. And, you know, these things do not bring health long term it's fine if you eat them occasionally if that's what you choose to do but you know eating processed meat which is another class one carcinogen these are things that don't bring you health and that us we know that eating plants over and over and over again population studies have shown us that they are actually good for you good for heart health there's no different diet for reducing the risk of uh, heart disease reducing the risks of cancers reducing the risk of dementia reducing the risk of uh, you know uh, painful periods heavy periods endometriosis fibroids menopausal symptoms it's all the same prostate cancer it's all the same way of living the same way of diet and uh, way of eating and way of you know enjoying life. It's important to understand that. And community, again, is really important. So surrounding yourself with people who think like you so that you can actually feel motivated rather than dragged down, I think is so, so important because you know you guys have built such an amazing community around you. And that's what I hope through all your courses, you know, the Happy Gut course, the Happy Mind course, the Happy Menopause course now. You know, you want to actually bring people in so they can actually exchange ideas and, you know, 
sort of empower each other because it's all very well as a doctor for me to keep talking. But when people see the changes themselves, they will then start, uh, you know, it'll trickle down into the their community that they live and they say, wow, did you hear? It's so fantastic when you eat a bowl of dal that is really doing, uh, you know, you so much of good. And so it's not that you don't want to eat the donut or uh, the omelette. It's just that every time you put something in your mouth, you have to think, Am I bringing health or am I hurting myself? And so in that situation, yes, you know, keeping those things as treats, but actually choosing a bowl of porridge over an, or tofu scramble over, over uh, an omelette, uh, either choosing a minestrone vegetable soup with lots of beans in it over a chicken soup. These are simple things, simple changes that one can make that really will bring health and happiness into your own life. And so... I hope I've been able to get that message across and, you know, there's lots more information that we talk about. You're so inspiring. You really are. And even in the topic of soup, I remember it was the, in, in Icaria in Greece, there's the longest living family of women. I think it was eight sisters that collectively they've lived over 800 years. So they're, they're like each of them, they've just lived massive long lives and their lunch every day was a minestrone soup full of three different type of beans. There was chickpeas and there was lentils and there was a split pea or some of the type there's of beans. There's kale in it too. And kale. And it was like, and this is what they ate every day for lunch. And collectively they lived something like to 830 years. So I think there is... Um, that, that's more anecdotal rather than scientific, but it's 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 yeah. very indicative at the and same time. And it's not only, I mean, you know, we know that the average life expectancy is about 83 years. Uh, and so if you are going to live those years, you don't want to do what a lot of people are doing is they, we don't want to just live longer. We want to live better. And so you don't want to spend the last 20 years in a home not recognizing your loved ones, you know, with dementia, which is the biggest killer right now in the UK, for example. And, you know, I'm sure those those numbers are increasing where you are and everywhere else. So it's understanding that it's not just a question of living till 100. These people in Ikaria and all are actually having productive, happy lives. So you want to be happy until the day you die. And that, you know, sometimes you can't necessarily choose because genetics does play some role in it. But, you know, genetics should not be your destiny. It has to be you with your lifestyle trying to, you know, prolong it. You're not competing with somebody else. You're competing with yourself. If you were destined to have a life cut short at 50 or 60 or 70 because of heart disease or, you know, cancer and things. Can you actually get productive years that would last you longer, whether you need the help of Western medicine or not? Lifestyle has to be in the forefront. Please never, never, ever listen to anybody who tells you that lifestyle is not important, you know, and I know it's still the impression in the medical community that lifestyle doesn't matter so much, or they'll tell you to just go away and have a healthy lifestyle. But what we try and do, what you guys try and do, you live the healthy life. And we, through our courses, are hoping to explain to you what are the different aspects so that people can actually have a guide as to understanding the changes that they can make so they feel good about themselves. Amazing, amazing. There's 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 like so, so just just in terms of, to recap so like menopause like uh, painful periods it's it's not natural so painful periods there's there's if you do suffer if anyone listening suffers with painful periods to go talk to a medical professional and get like, understand it more because it's an inflammatory situation. In terms of menopause there's lots of things And in painful 
periods, lifestyle can have a huge part to play. Yeah, lifestyle so really can have a huge basics, impact. Huge, huge impact. Part. In terms of menopause, you know, uh, average age is starting. Perimenopause is 48. 51 is the average age of menopause when a woman has had 12 months. 51. 51, yeah, yeah without a period. Um, and, and really, there is lots of, like, HRT is an option, which suits lots of people, lots of women, and it doesn't suit some women. Lifestyle should be accompanied, you know, no matter what, you know, really. And in terms of lifestyle medicine, eating more plant-based, reducing or cutting out animal-based foods, moving more, prioritizing sleep, dealing with stress, understanding these type of things. And I just wondered, as these, like these lifestyle factors, because as you said, dementia is the biggest killer in the UK and in the Western world now for women. And like, is it is it a case that these lifestyle factors, which you've talked about, that help reverse painful periods and that help reduce the indicators of, of menopause, the so- symptoms of menopause. Is it the same kind of, from a lifestyle perspective, that help mitigate someone's risk towards dementia as well? Absolutely, because what you're trying to do is bring in the colour. It's a joyful way of eating. So you're trying to bring in, you know, colourful fruit, colourful vegetables, green leafy vegetables, lots of beans, lots of soy. Unless you're allergic to soy, which is very rare, you want to really be flooding your body with two to four portions of tofu, tempeh, soy milk, soy yogurt, uh, edamame beans, you know, miso. These are things that you want to have. You want to have lentils. You want to have green peas. You want to have potatoes and sweet potatoes potatoes that are baked, not fried. You want to have salt, oil and sugar uh, as seasonings rather than, you know, large amounts of it. You want to be having, yes, extra virgin olive oil can be helpful, but, you know, in the context, you would I would rather you ate the healthy fats in avocados and nuts and seeds, bring in the herbs and spices, make water the drink of your choice, eat lots of mushrooms. These are things that are really simple and they will help not just with dementia, not just with menopause, not just with painful periods, but also with one of the biggest killers, which is heart disease. More women die of heart disease than men. Uh, and it's just not spoken about because women tend to die a bit later in their 60s and in their 70s. So it's so, so important to actually understand that it's not a single, you know, it's not a different diet for different things. It's the same diet, whether whatever gender you are, whether you're a child, whatever age, whether you're pregnant, whether you're uh, nursing, whatever it might be. These are, you know, strong building blocks that if you bring it in early into your life, you can then tend to have uh, the best out of the life that you are destined to have. Yeah, so important. Uh, yeah. One of the contributing factors in terms of dementia would one of them be that the the old the kind of age old expression that use it or lose it, and as people get older, often society now kind of celebrates youth culture, and often doesn't doesn't necessarily kind of celebrate our more wise or more golden years. And I think that's I, I love the way you described the golden years. It's something to celebrate. It's a, yeah, it's a time of financial even freedom. Even the it's, idea of retirement, like you know, people work is such a way that ties you to society and it forms all your links. And then when you retire, often it's like, well, where where do I fit in society now? How do I how do I add value? How do exactly. I contribute? And this can often so having might have an having your ikigai, having a purpose is really important. And you can choose whatever purpose that might be. That might be uh, helping in the a nearby shelter. It might be, you know, looking after your grandchildren. It might be continuing to work like I'm doing. I'm 61 and every decade I think, oh my God, this is the best decade uh, ever. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I just want people to embrace life because, you know, you don't want to, there's no sell by date. Don't listen to anybody. Age is a number and, you know, age does not mean ill health. You've got to find ways of improving your health 
with the help of all these things that we have talked about, but also with any medications that you may need. And for dementia, again, there's a lot of advances coming up, but we know that those who are lonely, those who have heart disease, they tend to have higher or diabetes, type 2 diabetes, they're all at an increased risk of dementia. So, you know, it's so, so important that these things, you can really make a difference if you are somebody who is heading into that, uh, into my sort of age group and as you're getting older, is making sure that you've already started thinking about your friends, your community, because we know those are very powerful indicators as to how your mental health and your memory and things are going to be. So we know that. So that information is there. We know that exercising can actually help very much for uh, reducing the risk of dementia as well. And so it's not just diet, as I said, it's not just exercise, it's a combination of all these factors that you want to bring so that it's sort of this perfect choir or perfect orchestra uh, and you are, you know, the conductor and you're deciding, you know, everything that goes. It's, it's, it's a beautiful way of living. And I, I want people to sort of get that gist of understanding that that is what I want each and every person who's listening to this, each and every one of my patients, because I just feel that, you know, life is beautiful. We won the lottery by just being born and being born in, at a time when, um, you know, we are very privileged to be able to be educated and listening to this podcast or, you know, to be computer literate and all these things, because there are a lot of people in this world who don't have, you know, uh, health or any wealth. So, actually just practicing a bit of gratitude and you know just feeling very grateful for just being we actually will realize that you don't want to be competing with your friends or anybody else you know you are enough and you just need to find ways of making yourself even more than enough that's a beautiful way to wrap this up need to you are you are wonderful you really are you're a gift and that's beautifully said. Thank here, you. Here, here. I suppose I get too passionate about something I love. So no, you're no, like, And even to have spent a few days hanging out with you, like you are, you have as much energy as a 20 year old. Like you really do. Like you are powerful. So you are a testament to lifestyle and healthy living and healthy eating and having purpose and having community because yeah, your energies are up there with ours and we're, you know, we're nearly 20 years younger than you. So. Yeah, thank you. Yes, I don't feel... Uh, I, I do feel age is a number. And so, you know, I, I I don't want, I want to go when I'm still very active and happy and, uh, uh, you know, have a purpose in life. So, and I don't want that to end. So that I'm going to make sure that I keep doing all the things that I hope will keep me, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks a million for this. You're wonderful. And uh, and thanks for creating the Happy Menopause course with us because it really has already helped so many people. And hopefully anyone who's listening, who's interested in it, the course is 50% off because it's International Women's Day and it's just 75 euro. So we'd be delighted if you're interested. You can start at any time over the next year and do it. It's four weeks and it gets such, such important results. I can even read out a paragraph from a lady, Tracy Conway, who went through it. She said, kudos to the happy pair for addressing 
addressing one of the least talked about yet most impactful transitions in a woman's life. This course is a wonderful comp- and comprehensive overview of perimenopause and menopause using a team of seasoned experts. They address it all, weight gain, mood swing, HRT, fatigue, low libido, bone health, etc. with the added bonus of how to use a plant-based diet to combat it all. They've included some amazing meal plans specific to easing menopause symptoms, how a few lifestyle changes can make a huge difference in sleep and energy levels and some very helpful self-care tips. I shied away from eating soy products for years, thinking it was bad for women until I heard Dr. Nitu Bajekal, senior consultant, a gynecologist addressing the misinformation about soy. She clearly explains why eating soy is beneficial and how much should we be eating. Upon completing this course, I've implemented many of the Happy Pair recommendations. I'm moving more, cooking with little to no oil, eating healthier and feeling fantastic. I'm also sleeping better. My fatigue has all but gone away and I'm feeling much more balanced and confident instead of dread-filled. I highly recommend this course for any woman entering her 40s or above 50. It's a wealth of knowledge and will hopefully improve the quality of your transition as it has done for me. And well, there's the twins. They may change fun. I love their mentor of small changes over time created big results. I'm finding this be 100% true. Wow, go Tracy. Congratulations. There we go. Um, But thanks Mel for listening to this podcast. I really hope it helped you and I hope you got some takeaways from it. I certainly found it extremely empowering. I love that idea of the golden years, like where you actually, there there are a time in life when you're just, you celebrate when you're like, it's, it's a time of life that you look forward to as opposed to something like, oh, yeah, so so that's that's the wonderful Dr. Nitu Bajekal. If you want to learn more about a happy menopause course, there's a link in the show notes. You'll find it in our Instagram um, or just go to the Happy Pair website. It's called the Happy Menopause Course. It's four weeks and it's it really is amazing and we'd be honoured to take you through it. So thanks, Mel, for your attention. We really, really appreciate it and wishing you a wonderful day ahead. Thank you. Thank you, Dave. Thank, thank you, Nitu. Thanks, thanks a million. Thanks so much. Yeah, really, really. Thank you. <laughs>